Welcome to Permaculture Freedom Podcast. My name is Cody and I'm your host. This is a show about cultivating freedom in our lives so we can be our best self. Freedom to live a beautiful, regenerative lifestyle that inspires our families, our friends, and our community. To transform our lives and reconnect to nature within. It's a revival of our roots. Roots that run deep into the earth. We were born for this time. We were born for this time. Thanks for joining me on this beautiful journey. Thanks for showing up. again for, for joining me to, to share about yourself and your journey so far and really maybe just get started with the question of you know how would you describe yourself how do you enjoy spending your time what's a day oh in the gosh. life like <laughs> for you yeah that's a that's a good question I'm I'm a little bit all over the place on a you know season to season mm-hmm. right now it's a lot of hauling firewood and um, you know I'm, I'm like primarily a homesteader at this point and I do my you know online work to kind of help pay the bills and everything but we're hunkered down for winter and um, the gardens are sleeping right now so we're finally processing a bunch of the herbs that are hanging from the ceiling and I'm trying Mm -hmm. to like day by day complete a couple of unfinished projects that just you know in in the throes of summer there's a lot of things that happen and then uh, now it's now it's kind of like tidying up the space and clearing and you know clearing the energy again and reassessing like that's what wintertime energy is you know mm-hmm. definitely yeah. yeah and i mean you mentioned this a little bit but you know in the summer what's what's that like for you well summertime is full on you know with because we have our summer camps for kids we've got mm-hmm. our, the earth warriors nature club and i'm hosting a lot of Um, adult programs too on the land so there's a lot of energy that goes into um, you know stewarding the space having it ready for people to come and and I'm also managing the gardens you know tending the medicinal plants that we have and um, so it's it's more yeah I feel like the energy is much more outward in the summertime Uh um, with a lot of big ideas in the spring of all the projects I want to take on, everything mm-hmm. I want to grow, and then, you know, reality hits about August, and you have to reassess and, you know, take care of what you can actually manage. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. I like, I like that August hits and <laughs> reality <laughs> comes. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And now, now it's like, you know, the November, December time is like, oh my gosh, okay, now we're inside again. It's like, holy buckets, I got to clean up all these messes I made all summer. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh-huh. You know, it's, yeah, it's sort of a, I, I, I'm getting better at embracing the flow of it, um, mm-hmm. the, the rhythm of it. And, and I, I think, you know, like the way that I have my life set up, um, I'm able to embrace that more than say if I was working a nine to five job where I had to commute for an hour and sit mm. inside an office, you know, um, sure. I, I am able to go with the rhythm a little bit more. Um, 
but I, I'm also, you know, I, I'm like, to be totally honest, I'm still recovering from several years of super stressful falls and winters trying to, you know, finish construction. So my kids and I are warm or, you know, like there's a, so there's a lot of like, I'm frankly still unraveling some PTSD about it all, but, um, but it, it is, I don't know. It is, it's a gift to be able to live a life that is, so in line with my values, you know, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's not easy. It's, it's definitely challenging in mm-hmm. a, a lot of ways, a lot of ways, but, um, but I, I highly value being able to say that, that, um, mm-hmm. that I'm doing something that I, I love to do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, you mentioned this, the, the term homesteader, mm-hmm. um, you know, when, when you meet somebody and they ask, what do you do? How do you explain that? Is that a term you like to go to? Or is there something else you like to say? <laughs> right? Oh, gosh. Yeah, that I, I, mostly my answer to that is, well, I do a lot of things. Yeah, um, <laughs> you do. <laughs> so I think I, I do start with, you know, I, I host nature connection classes for kids and adults. Mm-hmm. And we grow medicinal herbs. I do WordPress website design on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, like, yeah, I have an off-grid homestead that I steward and share with as many people as I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a, that's a great question because... You know, it's something comes up for us too when we wear a lot of hats in our work. Right. I know. I know. I mean, it's good to assess. I don't know. Yeah. You know, different people ask you that and and they're looking for different answers. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, kind of like, what are you do? What do you do for a living? How do you earn your money? And so I'm pretty, I'm pretty frank with people. You know, I share pretty openly about, um, you know, what it, what it takes and, how yeah just how I live my life and how I actually pay my bills and things like that Um, yeah and because I'm not you know I'm not like a self-sustained 100% of my income coming from the land or Mm -hmm. or growing all of all of our food you know I I don't think I could ever really do that nor do I want to you know I I, like my ultimate I think like my deepest values are freedom and connection. So mm-hmm. connection to me is, is about having a, an amazing community of people that maybe they're, they're, you know, raising the goats that have the goat milk and I buy the cheese from them, or I get my meat from a different farmer or, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not interested in being so independently solo that I provide all of my own needs. That isn't at all my goal. Um, I, I mean, I admire people that are interested in pursuing that, but that's not at all what I want to do. I, I want to provide what, what's my greatest gift and how can I provide that to the community and build connections oh. and um, relationships and, you know, interweaving our interdependence, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Well, that, that's a, that's a great segue into, you know, maybe talking about permaculture because I think, you know, we, mm-hmm. we've known each other for a few years now and both Megan yeah. and I, have been very inspired by you and your family. And I think we first connected through the Permaculture Institute in the Twin Cities, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. PRI. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so, yeah. So it seems like permaculture itself has had quite an effect on, you know, this quality of life that you're talking about. I'm wondering if Definitely. you could explain a little bit more about, you know, what does permaculture mean to you and 
how it's influenced your lifestyle. Interesting, yeah. Well, I, I first, <laughs> I had never heard of permaculture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, used, I was living in Minneapolis working as a photo stylist in commercial photography mm-hmm. for a lot of years. And I, I, I loved a lot about that job. It was very creative. The people I worked with were amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also, it was not in line with my values. Um, you know, I was working in advertising, and um, I I was having co- kind of a personal crisis about it, <laughs> and um, and I ended up I ended up selling all my stuff and um, buying a one way ticket to Kauai, and I um, someone had shared with me about the uh, Woofers program, mm-hmm. and um, Hawaii has its own version of it, the HAFA Hawaii Organic Farm Association. Mm-hmm. So I looked it up, and I emailed the very first farm on the top of the list for Kauai <laughs> and she emailed me back in about 10 minutes and said, great, we're available. When can you come? <laughs> so <laughs> I think it was like a couple months later, I had a one-way ticket to Kauai and, mm-hmm. um, and they were a permaculture farm. So mm-hmm. that was my first introduction. I had no idea. And so, um, it was a small scale, just a couple acres. I mean, just like, overflowing, exploding with food, though, mm-hmm. and the, the way that they tended their gardens um, and the way that they designed their life and their space, I was, I was blown away, and I, it was such a moving experience for me. Um, I mean, there was a lot of things, there was a lot of things that didn't work about their life or the, the way that their farm was set up, and, you know, as, as is any, any lifestyle, but, mm-hmm. but the something about it felt so real and so right. It felt like a, like, wow, this is a way that I, as a human can live in deep relationship with nature in a, in a way that actually works. Like this, this can work. I could see like the beauty and the possibility and the connections. Um, and it wasn't a, it wasn't like a, like, Oh my gosh, the modern world sucks. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm, I, you know, it wasn't like that kind of a mentality. It was like, how can we approach designing our lives and our culture um, in a way that is not just sustainable, but like regenerative and, and actually creates beauty and possibilities. So, um, so I learned a lot on that farm. And then um, I ended up moving back to Minneapolis and I, that's when I started, I, I looked up the, if there was anybody in permaculture locally and that's mm-hmm. when I found PRI. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, just made connections locally and and that was amazing to learn more about what's what's permaculture like in a cold climate because that's a whole different deal than Kauai, you know yeah um but yeah it was it was sort of like an answer to the question of how can we how can we live in right relations um how can how can i use my life to do good work in the world mm-hmm. and yeah it, it answered it answered that question um in in large part for me so mm-hmm. yeah yeah, that, that's a wonderful story. And I, I'm wondering about, so your first experience with permaculture in Kauai, um, you know, what was that like compared to this, this bridge coming back to the Midwest in the cold climate? You know, what, right. what sort of things did you notice there compared to coming back home here? Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, the, the actual, like, farming aspect of it is mm-hmm. so different. It's right. just so different because you're, you know, in the tropical setting, 
yeah, you just, I mean, everything's perennial. Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, You know, and just a completely different plant growing there. You know, they had avocado trees. Like, I I lived under a tarp in my tent. Uh, Mm -hmm. They had a house. And, you know, I just, I would walk outside and I could, you know, pick breakfast. And they had so much citrus and uh, banana trees. And, you know, it was just a very, uh, very different approach to growing um, but at the same time, I think the, the questions are the same, you know, the, the approach is the same and, you know, observing, observing nature, you know, is the first, is not the first principle of permaculture, you know, <laughs> yeah. to, use, to use nature as a guide. So mm-hmm. like wherever you are, that's where, that's where your roots can grow into the earth and you pay mm-hmm. attention to what's happening. So yeah. I, you know, I took that same approach and bridged that back. And I mean, you know, when when I moved back to Minneapolis and I, um, my now ex-husband, I, I had met him in Kauai. And uh-huh. He moved back too because he was from this area. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we um, eventually we started a permaculture business in Minneapolis. So mm-hmm. we, we had a landscaping business doing permaculture solutions for people in an urban setting, right? So mm-hmm. even that is different than what I'm living now in mm-hmm. a more rural area, you know, with six acres. Um, but the questions, I do feel like still the questions are the same. Yeah. How can we, how can we build a life that is in right relations with nature and, and that inspires us and reminds us how to best care for the world around us? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the answers to those questions look a little bit different depending on where you live or what your exact lifestyle is. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, the questions are the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I love that you are answering this, you know, question of what permaculture means to you by, you know, asking questions. Cause I think that is like inherently what it's about. It really is. And it's, mm-hmm. it's so hard when you have people ask you, you know, to define permaculture and it's, you know, with the way you were describing it from your impression in Kauai, it's, it's like, it's a feeling. It's this mm-hmm. feeling more than anything else of, of connection and observation, mm-hmm. right? So, yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's embodying. And I think, yes. yeah, I think that's what's just beautiful about it is that it can, yeah, it's so universal about rooting into wherever you are. Mm-hmm. Place. So, yeah. Thank you for yeah. sharing that. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, part of what this conversation I wanted to focus on was about homeschooling and your connection mm-hmm. to that. And I want to know, did your experience with permaculture, you know, whether in Kauai or coming back to the Midwest, did that contribute towards you deciding to homeschool? Or mm-hmm. what other aspects kind of led you down that path? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That is a good question. So, yeah, I when I lived on Kauai, um, there's a pretty big homeschool community there. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, this was even before I had kids. Um, but I sort of witnessed, I guess, yeah, I was just witnessing how they lived their life and how mm-hmm. um, it felt so much more in line with a natural rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and so when, so when my kids were born and when my third daughter was born, um, we moved back to Kauai as a family, all five of us. Mm-hmm. 
And we, uh, we then were, yeah, a big part of the homeschool community there because my, my oldest was only four then. So we, you know, we were on the younger end. Um, but there was a very vibrant homeschool community there. And it was so inspiring to me. It's like, I, I just really hadn't even, I hadn't even, I don't know when you don't even know what's possible because you haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was the experience for me. It was like, Oh wow, this is, this is interesting. This feels so right. This, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was just one of those things where, uh, then when we moved back, you know, we, we had the opportunity to, um, to buy the land where I live now. And so, we moved back in 2012, um, and so yeah, my oldest, Maya, I think was six then, and it, it was kind of, you know, we were on the cusp of like, okay, are we going to, what are we going to do here? I, like, I really wanted to homeschool. We wanted to homeschool the girls, um, but I didn't know anybody locally here in the Twin Cities area that was homeschooling, mm-hmm. um, and I, I reached out to, you know, I, I joined a couple of email groups and I reached out, like, is there a homeschool group in the Stillwater Hudson area? Mm-hmm. And um, I got a couple of replies for, uh, there, there is a, there is a, um, like a religious homeschool group mm-hmm. um, that's pretty vibrant, but I, um, that it wasn't a fit for my family because we're not Christian. Mm-hmm. And Anyways, I was just, we were on the fence about like, oh my gosh, do we have to put the girls in school? Like, mm-hmm. it didn't feel right. And so my, um, my husband at the time then said, well, why don't you just start something? Why don't you start a group? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I sent out an email to those same email lists and I said, starting a homeschool group near Hudson Stillwater. And I just listed like, these are the things we're into, um, you know, nature connection and permaculture mm-hmm. and, and we're open to a variety of other backgrounds. And, um, and I got, I don't know, like 45 replies within 24 hours, you know, <laughs> and of people that wanted to come. And so I, we ended up having a couple of open houses to meet everybody and just decide what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And now it's seven years later. And that group is, I don't know, there's dozens of families in the group and we meet pretty much every week. Um, typically we meet every Tuesday, uh, you know, it's different around the holidays and in the mm-hmm. summertime and stuff, but, um, mm-hmm. but it's a super, like, these are my, my girl's best friends and my very close friends. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a community. We created a community around it where mm-hmm. there, there, it, it didn't exist prior to me sending out that email. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I think, you know, there's, there's something to be said for just initiating and creating, creating the structures that you need. Cause you know, I, I really truly felt like I, I didn't want to, and wasn't capable of homeschooling my girls alone in mm-hmm. a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't at all what I wanted for the girls. And mm-hmm. I, and so um, just the fact of like kind of creating this community together that has developed over the years, you know, it's shifted and changed. Um, but like yeah this is this is real you know I think Mm. there's so many I don't know people have a variety of ideas about homeschooling right where Mm -hmm. like oh how do your kids get socialized (laughs) I'm like Mm -hmm. you you have no idea what we do on a daily basis or a weekly basis right Mm -hmm. you know my girl typically like homeschooling now is very social it's a Mm -hmm. very social experience that is with a lot of people that are not just 
the 20 kids that are your exact age, you know? Yeah. Um, like, you know, my girls hang out with kids that are of all ages and, and they, you know, they spend their days with adults sometimes and they just have a lot of interactions with, with, um, I don't know. It just feels more real to me to have this holistic community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that led me to another question I was going to ask you. And that was, you know, based on your perspective, what it really means to you and your approach to it. Cause I think you were kind of picking apart, you know, common misconceptions about homeschool mm-hmm. and, you know, what, what are some of those misconceptions that come up that you speak to? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. There's, there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot, you know, I think, oh man, misconceptions. I mean, there's a lot of people I think that are, that think you're doing it to, um, uh, shelter your kids, you mm-hmm. know, to prevent them from having some other experience or some other knowledge. Um, they think that it's maybe depriving them of the opportunity of being normal, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or depriving them of the opportunity of what maybe a, a public school system provides, you know, with technology or sports or, mm-hmm. um, but, but that really, that really isn't true. You know, like my, you know, my kids can join a sports team. They can, um, they, they have access to a variety of things through other means, whether it's through like just joining something after school at the public school or, or, you know, we have, we do a lot of things with the homeschool co-op where we kind of pool resources together or there's different classes that they take, um, different mentors that they, that they have developed relationships with over the years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm trying to think of what other, you know, it's, I think any parent, any and every parent that really cares about their kids is, they question themselves a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you're always questioning, like, am I doing, am I doing the right thing for the kids? Is this, is this really meeting their needs? Um, and you're kind of always second guessing yourself a little bit. And if there's, and homeschooling in particular, when you make that choice, you're already swimming upstream a little bit in that way. You know, like the, the general consensus <laughs> from people that are outside the homeschooling community is like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? You know? (laughs) Um, So I think, you know, you get a lot of flack. You Uh really do when you're doing something that's different than the status quo, Uh Um, whether it's coming from somebody feeling defensive about their own choices or whatever it is, or or just ignorance maybe, but, um, but you do get a lot of flack. And so, you know, the, the fact that just as a normal parent, you're already questioning Am I doing the right thing? Um, it, it's extra hard as a homeschooler to, um, to you know, you have a bad day and people's response is, well, you could always just put them in school. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Where, like, nobody's going to say that when somebody's having a bad day with their kid in school. Right. You know? And so you really have to have, you, ha- you have to develop this really deeply rooted connection with your own truth. Mm-hmm. And to be able to, like, yeah, people are going to give me a variety of feedback about this choice. And when I sink in with what's best for the girls, I know that this is the absolute best decision for us. Mm. Um, and so I, I feel like I've been able to, always, you know, I do check myself occasionally because sometimes 
sometimes the girls are asking for something beyond what I can provide or, or I let the, I let people's feedback get to me or whatever. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, or even in the fall, like the energy is like, Oh, everybody's going back to school. And, and it, it's like contagious or something. And, uh -huh. and I question myself, but then every time when I, when I really sink in with it, you know, um, when I, I'll go for a walk and sit up on the land or talk with the girls about it and no, this is exactly what they want to do. They want, uh -huh. they want to have power over their education. Uh -huh. They, they want to have this level of freedom where they can, they can explore what they want, um, uh -huh. at a pace that works for them. Uh -huh. Um, so like there's no, you know, we, I, it's, it's unschooling really is what we're doing. Uh -huh. um, so I'm not, I'm not home. I'm not trying to pretend to do school at home. Um, we, they, they've had a lot of classes and curriculum and they have math tutors and things like that. Um, but they are, they get to go at their own pace really. Mm -hmm. So like if they want to spend the whole week just working on math, they can totally do that. Mm -hmm. If they, if they want to spend the whole week, like exploring the history of world war two, that's absolutely what they can do. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, yeah, they're, they're really in charge of that. So there's a lot of creativity and um, really personal freedom that, that goes into how they, I don't know, yeah, how they pursue their own education. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I was going to ask, you know, what, what do you feel like your children would say they most enjoy about it? I mean, you talked a lot about the freedom and the autonomy, the self-directed mm -hmm. nature that you pursue mm -hmm. your your approach to homeschooling or unschooling mm -hmm. what, do you, what do you think that they most enjoy about it oh that's a good question i'm sure i would get a different answer from all three of them I, yeah <laughs> i would expect so <laughs> yeah oh boy yeah i think you know my oldest is 13 now so she mm -hmm. she would probably say um yeah she would probably talk about what i just said you know that freedom mm -hmm. to really research what she wants to in the way that she wants to um, and to be able to have the flexibility to you know meet with her homeschool friends to do a group project and kind of explore things with just more flexibility uh -huh. um, I think my middle my middle child is a classic middle child and she would probably say something um contradictory about <laughs> she'd probably complain about something mm -hmm. um let, let me think but I think you know she she likes she likes to be able to connect with her friends and um and I don't know yeah it, that's interesting because they're all all three of them are super creative mm -hmm. so they could like right now I I left <laughs> I left them at home so they could clean the art room because it's like it's full of like 50 projects that are layered on top of each other. And they, you know, like they wake up and they have an idea and they've already got the hot glue guns plugged in before mm. breakfast, you know? So they're, they're always pursuing their creative outlet. Um, mm -hmm. So I think, you know, Maggie probably most appreciates having that space to just, um, you know, have like that quiet inward creative zone mm -hmm. um that you know i think in a school setting you're you know you're with the the 20 or so kids in your class yeah all, all day long it's it's a different deal you know yeah um 
Yeah, yeah. So, and, and Scarlett, same deal. She she loves to be able to, like, play with the dogs all day and, you know, do her schoolwork the way she wants and do her uh-huh. art projects and listen to music. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. The girls are, like, they're listening to music all day. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> does that answer your question? <laughs> that does answer my question. It makes me want to ask, what are some of those 50 projects in the art room, right? Oh, boy. <laughs> Give us some examples. <laughs> Oh boy. Okay, let me think here. <laughs> um, I know I, you've shared quite a bit on your Instagram. You know, right? videos of different stories that are so wonderful to see. Yeah. Well, one one example. I I um, I've been hanging out with a. I, I made a new friend, so I've been hanging out with this person, and they were really curious about them and and mm-hmm. asked all sorts of questions. You know, what are they like? Um, what what kinds of things do they like? And mm-hmm. and they so they they ran off into the art room and, and they made these three dimensional paper sculptures of my new friend skiing down a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the, the paper cones are the mountains. And then they found some cotton balls somewhere. I don't know where. And they, they kind of shredded them and hot glued them to the top of the mountain as the clouds. And then the, like the skis are coming down and the little toothpicks are the, the ski poles. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. they made it as a gift. For my, mm-hmm. for my new friend, you know, mm-hmm. they're just like, that's what you do. You, you welcome somebody new into our life and, and mm-hmm. you make them a gift of something that they love to do. And yeah, so it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. It is fascinating. Yeah. I, 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 that makes me think of the last, last year when we came out with the open hearth crew, um, we were greeted by them with, uh, what was it? It was beeswax candles. And, yeah. and cupcakes or muffins, I think it was, <laughs> yes, that they yes. made all kind of on their own. They set up a little farm stand and everything and, and <laughs> sold their wares to our group. It was wonderful. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, that's, that's a classic project from the girls. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it's interesting that you talk about the creativity aspect. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head speaking to that that space for the, the solo focus time. And I know, mm-hmm. knowing you, I know that you are an advocate of the sit spot and, you know, mm-hmm. um, having that kind of space. I wonder if you could talk more about that and maybe is, if that's something that has kind of led them to seeking that or you feel like that's something that is just inherent in, in an expression of the environment they're in. Hmm. That is a good, I, yeah, that's a really good question. Cause I, you know, I have memories of um, living in the bus, mm-hmm. all three of us, mm-hmm. and, and you know, Maya would wake up. I mean, we lived in this small <laughs> school bus. She would wake up in her top bunk, and she would immediately start a, a project. She mm-hmm. would, she, and, and that was one of the things, even before we moved back to the land, when we lived in Kauai, like, we had very few belongings because we... Mm-hmm literally lived in the tent <laughs> under a tarp again. Yeah. And, but one of the things that I always prioritized was each, each of the girls would have their own sketchbook and their own set of markers or pencils. Mm. Um, but there was always a way for some creative outlet. Cool. And so they had that even living in the tent. Yep. And, and then in the school bus, yeah, they, they had, each of them had a little shelf <laughs> right by their little bed, <laughs> their little bunk, and mm-hmm. it had, 
just enough art supplies to always be able to create something. And yeah. I mean, I, I'm an, I'm an artist. I, I have a, I, I went to school. Well, I originally went to school for engineering and I pretty immediately changed my major to art. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I'm, I, I think that way. I live that way. And I, I think the girls inherently have that too, but I know that I'm obviously a person that values that. So I've provided them that outlet yeah. always. Yeah. So I know that I've also encouraged it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they, they each are creative in their own ways. It is mm-hmm. very unique. Mm-hmm. Um, Scarlett is like, she's a musician in a way that I, I could never fathom. She, like, she sort of hears the world musically, and then she creates art from it. it it's fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, yeah, I think I, there's something... There's something there with, you know, homeschooling, homeschooling your kids, you really get to provide this environment. You know, I feel like I'm, I'm creating, you know, like if I was super into sports, mm-hmm. the girls would probably be super into sports, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, you know, we're, we're athletic and we're, um, we're outside a lot. We're very active in the gardens and that kind of thing. And the girls mm-hmm. do do some sports, but, um, but it's, it's not, you know, I, I know that it's my world that I'm sharing with them. And mm-hmm. so I know that they're also, yeah, they're, they're experiencing the world through the lens of what I am choosing to provide them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's, I think there's, there's a lot that they get exposed to with um, just being out in the world and, you know, the other, the, the events that I choose to take them to, the, Mm-hmm. The rest of the homeschool group, right? They're exposed to all different families that do things differently, um, and so they they develop their own unique independence. But I do think that there's something valuable in having, uh, like, this is home. This is what our home is. Mm-hmm. This is the energy of our home. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's. I don't know that it's an honor to be able to create that for a family you know mm-hmm. it's, um I, I don't take the responsibility of it lightly so. mm-hmm. yeah yeah well yeah speaking of creativity it's like it's the ultimate creative project isn't it <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah. my gosh yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah people ask me what I do for you know oh are you still doing art and I'm like my life is yeah. my art like, like exactly. my life like you know every aspect of my even like doing the grocery shopping so that I can cook some meals. For, you know what I mean? Like even yep. that is, is a form of art. Like mm-hmm. how like, I'm literally creating a life with my girls now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think, I mean, you know, knowing from past conversations, we've talked about this and, you know, I think the sketchbook uh, story is, is a really good example of this is like, you know, just having the sketchbook and some markers is, is like you being there to, you know, provide that container or that, you know, essentially that limitation to, Mm -hmm. to hold that creativity has, has transferred over to, you know, your role as, you know, homeschooling and, and kind of, you know, you create a certain parameter, but they're endlessly creative within that parameter. And I think, you know, as, as a fellow artistic person, I, I see a lot of merit in that compared to, you know, maybe looking at other types of situations with kids growing up with lots of distractions and lots of things, lots of toys, lots of, you know, all Mm -hmm. sorts of things that, you know, that kind of just, that 
can, can inhibit them from actually being, you know, creative and looking within. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We were, we've, uh, you know, I, I mentioned that like this time of year, there's a lot of like cleaning up the house from all the mm-hmm. projects. And so yesterday we were cleaning the house and trying to find homes for all this random stuff we have. And mm-hmm. the girls, I think it was Scarlett. She said, I, Oh, I wish we lived in the bus again. And it's like <laughs> way simpler to clean. <laughs> yes. And, and I think like she is spot on. Like, oh yeah. my gosh, we have worked so hard to have yeah. this house. And now we have all this stuff. And now we have to clean all the stuff and tidy mm-hmm. it up all the time. And mm-hmm. yeah, there is, um, there is some gold to that very simple, pared down life. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely some gold to it, but I totally miss my art supplies that were, you know, packed up in storage when, yeah. when we lived in the bus, when we yeah. lived in the tent, you know, like, yeah, there were some supplies that were like my chalk pastels and, you know, none of that stuff. I really just couldn't do, I didn't have that, that outlet. And so, yeah, there's, there's a, there's a trade-off to mm-hmm. both of them, but, yeah. you know, so it's so common to just be overwhelmed with the, the, the life of the modern world and I you know I find like even the simplicity of um the like the the kids camps that we do the summer camps and the and earth warriors nature club the I I occasionally bring out some art supplies you know I occasionally bring out the watercolors or the the acrylic paint um when we're doing you know we're doing projects but but I I almost find the kids light up more um and 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 they it it instigates this whole other form of creativity when all they have access to really is nature and and a couple of tools that I carry in my backpack you know like a saw (laughs) and um you know some fire starting stuff or whatever some some rope you know like some Mm -hmm. twine and some rope and there's something there's something that gets it's like their eyes light up when all of a sudden somebody will have an idea like, Hey, Hey, why don't we build a fort over here? You know? And then all of a sudden everybody's on board. They're, they're, they're like working together as a team to try to design how, how could they build it? And where did they see some materials they could use? And there's something um, that's just, it, it's so real, you know, versus like, you know, when you're, when you're sitting in a, like a perfectly organized art room with all the supplies in, on the shelves and the whatever, that's a totally different form of creativity, yeah. you know? Yeah, um, yeah I, I think a lot of, like, some of the best ideas come out of necessity. I know that's mm-hmm. kind of cliche, but it's mm-hmm. really, um, you know, I think I told you this story uh, when, when you've come out with your, mm-hmm. with your permaculture group, but, like, we... You know, we used to live in Minneapolis. I used to work in advertising. So we, mm-hmm. had, we had a bit more income to play with. Um, so we needed a fence in South Minneapolis. And we drove to Menards and we bought some milled cedar and we mm-hmm. built this beautiful cedar fence. Mm-hmm. Well, we lived out on, you know, out in the homestead and we tried to grow a garden the first summer. And we didn't eat a single thing from the garden because the rabbits and the deer ate everything. <laughs> so, so we needed a fence. Mm-hmm. And so the next spring we needed a fence, but we didn't have any money. Um, so we, we just had to make do. We looked around and somebody had given us a roll of chicken wire. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's good. How are we going to keep the chicken wire up? <laughs> <laughs> and so 
we, you know, we happen to have the six acres that has quite a bit of buckthorn on it, which is invasive, as you know, but it's also like a really, a really hard wood and um, good to build things with. So we cut down a bunch of buckthorn and used it as the posts for our fence and then trenched in the fence. And then we had all this beautiful food that we could eat that the rabbits couldn't get to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was necessity. And, you know, it's these kind of like wonky, slightly gnarled buckthorn posts that it's a different aesthetic than mm-hmm. the perfectly milled cedar. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it's actually, I don't know, kind of beautiful. And I feel, I feel much more deeply connected to that space and the beauty that that provides because there's, there's a connection to it. You know what I mean? That, yes. you know, we cut it down um, and we know where it came from. And it's just a, a, a deeper experience of, of the whole thing. So that's, that's the way creativity gets used around here. Like, okay, yeah. we, we have a need. Okay. And how can we solve this need? <laughs> because <laughs> we don't have a lot of funds to work with. What's mm-hmm. the best way to approach this problem? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there's all sorts of cool answers to that question. Mm-hmm. I have yeah. so many things I could say to that. Oh, um, <laughs> but yeah, I just, I just want to say like that, the, you know, that approach that you're talking about, it's a, it's a, it's a living approach. There's this dynamic mm-hmm. living quality to it, to, you know, like the permaculture principle of creatively use and respond to change. And I think whether you're talking about making a fence or, you know, leading an activity with your camp is just this, this living quality of, you know, the way nature just endlessly creates and responds to a need to change. And, yes. Yeah. And I think that that approach that you take, whether, yeah, whether it's, you know, um, leading an activity or, you know, doing a fence, um, it's, it's something that is, is very demonstrative of, you know, something that's transferable to your, to your children. They're, you know, in those small moments, no matter what it is, that's like your inherent creative approach to life, I think is what is, you know, is leading them to, you know, move on that path as well. Right, right, right. Yeah, definitely. I, the word, um, well, I just thought of like the way that we have, we have, been forced to become extremely flexible and dynamic mm-hmm. with um with our life and the choices we make and yeah the, you know the girls have become very <laughs> very flexible <laughs> with what's what's happening you know yeah. they uh they've had to roll with a variety of changes and mm-hmm. um you know like kind of not normal approaches to to life um yeah. with you know with us it was building our house, our off-grid house, and all the struggles we've had. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it is, it's, it's, it is like a living relationship with, with the space. And mm-hmm. I think, I love the word that you used, because it's, um, I think of it that way. I mm-hmm. think of, you know, I, I know when, when we first moved to the land, uh, it was June of 2013, and we, we literally, like, pitched a tent, and, moved a little bit of dirt around so we could start that little garden that the rabbits ate. And um, we thought, I, I had a full vision of what the place was going to be, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, had, I had the full vision in my mind yeah. um, of, of everything in completion, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever that, whatever that is. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
and then and then I lived there. And mm-hmm. then I and then I, I learned and learned and learned like every every week, every day, there was something new, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, oh wow, yeah, no, we, we assumed we were gonna build our house up at the top of the hill there. And oh, that that's actually the main thoroughfare for a lot of the wild animals that come through. Mm-hmm. And is that really necessary? No, it really isn't, actually. And and the better placement of the house is a really different, different, different place down mm-hmm. in the lower corner. Um and it, that was just one of a thousand examples of how uh, actually getting to know the space, working with working with what we had financially, um, and working with zoning. I mean, mm-hmm. that was a whole other animal. Working with the building inspectors, you know, basically everything, every aspect of my original vision is illegal, mm-hmm. um, and so we've really had to adjust and be flexible and change uh-huh. and, and find different ways to maybe do the same thing, but under the current codes. And yeah, so the girls just kind of roll with stuff now. It's, it's, it's almost laughable. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we have this big um, construction project now that is hopefully going to come through. I was, I was approved for a loan finally after all these years. Um, you know, having this unconventional place, mm-hmm. you, I'm really, I really have never been eligible for a conventional financing. Mm. Um, so anyways, I'm approved for a loan to get running water. So I don't have to haul water. <laughs> and with that, because it's conventional, with that has come like a whole bunch of other things they need me to do too, to, to do it their way. Mm-hmm. And, and it got really expensive. And um, yeah, we were going to, you know, build this greenhouse on the south side of the house to house the bathroom and the, all the plumbing and then the 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 pex tubing for the in-floor heating so there have to be a natural gas boiler all this complicated stuff right mm-hmm. and so the girls have been you know watching me manage all of that <laughs> and for months now i've been you know talking with contractors and the bank uh-huh. and everybody i'm managing it right they're they're witnessing it and Today I was talking with my my good friend who's designing the the layout of everything, uh-huh. and he had this really good idea to actually wait on building the greenhouse and to put the bathroom and the plumbing and stuff in in the corner of my already existing root cellar. Right, it would uh-huh. save me almost twenty five thousand dollars probably, uh-huh. and uh, like that just happened before I called you, <laughs> and so I'm you know I'm wrapping my head around this really good idea that my friend just gave me and um you know as the designer of it and and I'm sitting with it thinking it through and then and then I hang up the phone with him because I've got to get on the call with you and I mentioned to the girls yeah hey girls what do you think about this you know if we just put the the bathroom in here and and they shout down from the loft oh yeah that's a good idea sounds good mom okay The stakeholders. Just, yeah, they, well, yeah, they're, they're the ones that are going to be using the bathroom. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, we, we are the ones that are going to use this space. So to them, it's like, well, yeah, if, if it's going to save money and that means that, you know, they're going to be able to have walls in their bedrooms instead of just, you know, one big open loft up there. Um, mm-hmm. It's, yeah, they're, they just, they do really just roll with it now because I think they, I, I hope they know that, ultimately my commitment to them is that we're we're taken care of you know Mm. that at the end of the day we're warm we're safe we have food in the cupboards and everybody's loved Mm. do you have any sort of 
ritual or daily or weekly practice that you do with the girls to to kind of instill that gratitude and that you know remembrance of those those simple things right right that's, that's a good question we don't we don't do it very uh like we don't do it daily it mostly comes up like when we're going through a lot um and I might ask them, you know, when we're, when we're eating dinner, I might ask them, um, you know, what, what are you thankful for today? And we, we do that every single time we have class. So every, every time we start Nature Club, we go around and share one thing you're thankful for today. And, you know, gratitude is, is really, it's a way to bring, bring our minds together um, in the Nature Connection community. That's it's crucial. It's a crucial way to, to start a gathering. Um, and then we end every, every class with uh, sharing their favorite part of the day and their least favorite part of the day. So you end by kind of capturing and gathering the story of the day. And mm. yeah, so everyone feels seen and heard. Um, and so I, I, I really should do that every day with the girls, but I don't. I don't. I, I more do that when, when it starts to feel rough. And we're having a rough time. And mm-hmm. they, they even know, you know, <laughs> like when I'm having a rough time, I might even ask them, like, can you guys, can you just say something nice about me? Can you just remind <laughs> me? <laughs> you know what I mean? And they do. They just, like, right away, they just start mm. listing off a bunch of things. And, and then Scarlett made me this book one time um, when I was, I was just struggling with a lot of stress and pressure from a lot of things. And she made me this book of, all the things that we that we have now you know she she drew the house and she drew the bus that we used to live in and she drew our gardens and the chicken coop and the dogs and like Mm -hmm. she just she she made this book so that when I'm feeling sad I know I I can look back through it and remember all the things that we do have Mm -hmm. so I know it's there I know that that's that really is what we will all fall back on yeah that's beautiful. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm wondering, you know, with, with the given struggles that you've had, you know, uh, shaping this life for you and your family, you know, and, and with homeschooling too, in that context, is, is there anything mm-hmm. you do different, differently? If you would oh, start gosh. over. <laughs> I know, you know, that is a, that is a really fascinating question because I think, the answer is sort of, it's of course I would if I knew what I know now, but it's also absolutely not because mm-hmm. look, here, here I am now. This is me because of all of those struggles. This yeah. is who I am. And I don't have a single regret about who I am now and how I've had to face kind of all of my, my worst nightmares. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I've, oh, well, I've had to face a few of them anyways. And, um, and so I don't have any regrets in that way, um, but I do think, <laughs> I don't know, you know, like to choose a life like this, you kind of have to be, you have to be a little bit naive, at least a little bit naive, <laughs> and, and, and equal parts of stubbornness, so I, I had both of those things, <laughs> mm-hmm. so, um, and, and to be visionary, you know, and, and I definitely have that. But yeah, it's 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 carved away a variety of things about me that um, you know the challenges that I've faced. Like now, as a single mom trying to make a go of this, still, mm-hmm. and 
um, it's, it has carved away a whole lot of excess that I had been gripping to me for protection. Um, so like, you know, the ways that I maybe used to live my life in a way so it looked good on the outside to kind of keep people at arm's length of like, oh yeah, Heidi's awesome and hmm. she's doing all that great stuff. And, hmm. um, but but it's, it was in some ways a protection, uh, like a barrier from intimacy in a way. And, you know, my experience of having gone through these struggles with my divorce and with zoning and the building inspectors and uh, financially and that kind of thing, it, it like, I mean, literally brought me to my knees Mm. on multiple occasions and just, you know, like trying to hike myself up the hill uh, in prayer to like talk with the land and ask for guidance and, Mm. you know, literally on my knees asking like, you know, I'm, I've given my life to this work Mm. and I need some help here, you know? And, and the answer is to reach out for help, to ask for help. Okay, okay, well, that was something that I didn't, I didn't do. You know, I was, <laughs> I was raised as a typical American, you know, mm-hmm. believing, that, believing that being independent is the best way to be, mm-hmm. right? That, that I've got it handled. I, you know, any struggle I handle independently in, in the privacy of my own home, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I couldn't, I just couldn't. I didn't, I, I, I had to let go of the reins on that. And so I had to really humble myself in so many ways um, mm. and ask for help. And I just asked for support in what I was doing. And I received it tenfold, I mean, thousandfold. Mm. And in, in such a surprising way, um, I just, I mean, <laughs> whew, I have so many stories of mm-hmm. the ways that people have shown up um, for me and, and like just pure kindness and generosity yeah. and, uh, their own gratitude for the opportunity to help. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Do, 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 like the yeah. level of humility that that creates for me, um, mm-hmm. like someone to show up and help me and then be thankful to me for that opportunity. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. I've been just, yeah, deeply humbled in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, w- I would say that I completely agree with, you know, the way that that has humbled you and, you know, welcoming Megan and I in our groups the past couple of years. You've just, you know, you've you've really opened up to to our group, you know, the, the story of, of of your struggle and, and the high points, too. And I think that's what, you know, it's 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 an, it's a reason that we just really, really appreciate knowing you and, and being connected to your story and, and your space because we started out our program very early on visiting you and, and hearing that. And I think it's, it's so helpful for, for folks coming in to learn about permaculture to, to kind of ground them a little bit. Like it grounded you to, you know, get down on your knees and really get grounded with, with the land. And mm-hmm. that's that beautiful surrender. So, yeah, I really really appreciate that yeah yeah thank you I mean I I do feel like it's it is so crucial to share the entire picture of what it takes you know it's it can look so romantic from a distance yeah um you know all of it I mean I was I was enamored by the vision of it you Mm -hmm. know I thought it was this romantic vision to like live deeply 
he connected with the land and garden and all this stuff. And it's mm. like, you know, it, it is, it's, it's wonderful. And it's a lot of work. It's yeah. super hard. It's a lot yeah. of work. And like, like any life that you choose has the beauty to it. And then it also has like the really crappy sides of it, the, the mm-hmm. really difficult, challenging, um, or even just like the super boring aspect of it that you have to do mm-hmm. to also experience the gold of it. And so if every life you choose is going to have both sides of that, the full spectrum of the human experience, then, then, wow, then, okay, I want to be really mindful what life I choose then, because Mm -hmm. if I'm going to have to deal with the challenges and the struggle, I want it to be for a reason that's bigger than myself. Yeah. And, and that, that is what I think I said at the very beginning, like, I'm very thankful that I, I, I do get to wake up and know that that's true, that I am, I am making these choices that are 100% in alignment with my values mm-hmm. um, and, and who I want to be for the world. So, yeah. 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 Well, it just, it just shows what a long journey that can be from the moment of, you know, awakening to that misalignment of values that you had, you know, living a different lifestyle to, right. to, to now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's a, <laughs> So much longer, and and I, I haven't arrived anywhere, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I I think I think this is this is a this is an ever expanding experience of being human, mm-hmm. and I don't I you know I, I can share from my experience, but I I hope I never claim to know anything absolute. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I I'm still being schooled on a daily basis, mm. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, that that leads me to one of my final questions, and and that's really, you know, what is next for you in your work, mm-hmm. and you know, what's on your mind for the upcoming season? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I'm 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 asking myself those things too right now mm-hmm. because I, you know, I I have I had the vision, and I'm double checking that I'm, you know, I, I'm on the cusp of this conventional loan coming through to get Mm -hmm. me running water right Mm -hmm. and so I'm on the cusp of having this next phase of construction happening to get us a little bit more I don't know we'd be living a bit more of a modern lifestyle you know Mm -hmm. we'd have hot water on tap (laughs) we'd have a flushable toilet Mm -hmm. um we'd have more power so we could have a refrigerator again um yeah things we've been living at without for like seven, eight years now, nine years, yeah. um, we would have access to again. And I feel like I can guess what's on the other side of that, um, but I, I might not know fully yet what's mm-hmm. over there. Is it in some ways I'm, I'm doing all of this to ease up on the struggle on my end, you know, hauling water and just yeah. like what goes into living an off-grid life. Yeah. And it also, it's, it's a conventional loan that is refinanced in a way that I have a more affordable monthly payment, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so it gets me set up in a way where I'm hoping on the other side, I have a variety of more choices to make for what I can offer on the land. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in a more stable position where I can host more classes for adults and like mm-hmm. I can open it up to maybe other teachers on the land mm-hmm. and, um, but I also, yeah, no, I, I have to really feel it out, you know, cause there, there's, there's opportunities to expand the, 
the gardens, the, the medicinal herbs that we grow, mm-hmm. which I love. I love, I just love my gardens so much, mm-hmm. you know? And I love the plants and I love learning more and more about them. Um, but I don't know, I don't, I don't know what is the, uh, how am I, how am I going to say this? It's like, what is the best, most focused use of my gifts? Mm-hmm. How can I best show up for the world? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I've, I've had to shift my energy in the past couple of years to answering that of how, how can I best show up for my own girls, my mm-hmm. own daughters? I got to mm-hmm. be present for them. I can't yeah. be so stressed. I can't be so like financially strapped and stressed that I can't show up in a basic way, yeah. in a stable, basic way for my own children. Yeah. So when, once that is handled, I feel like there's so much more possible because I have, I have so much that I want to give and express, you know, like I, mm-hmm. I wrote two children's books. Well, there's four other books that are like in my head mm. and in my heart. And I, I want to get them on paper. Well, yeah. I, I haven't had time as a single mom. I just can't, I can't do it, you know, but I, <laughs> I want to write those other books. I want to offer a whole bunch more classes that are, you know, on the homestead or online or just to like share my experience more fully. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, yes. we, yeah, we want you to do that too. And, awesome. and, and, and the, <laughs> the growing community that has supported you through thick and thin and wants you to do that too. Yes, so, right. I'm so glad yeah. to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, and it, yeah, of course. And, you know, it, that question of what's next is like, you know, for us living here in the North country, it's, it's winter, right? So it's like, yeah. it's that time to, to ask those questions and remind yourself year after year that mm-hmm. we need to be asking where do we show up with our gifts and where are we thriving? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes, cool. exactly. Well, is there anything else you'd like to share? Oh my gosh. Hmm. Oh, I don't think so. It's just, it's really lovely to talk with you. This is good to, good to have this conversation, making me think about a lot of things, you know? <laughs> Likewise. I really appreciate hearing that too. So thank you. Um, yeah, I just want to ask the last question I always ask, you know, how can folks learn more about your work and help support you? Oh yeah. Thank you. Well, my, my website is bluebirdhillhomestead.com and I do share a lot of my story on our Facebook page and the Instagram page. So there's a lot of, I I almost don't even write on my blog anymore. It's all Mm -hmm. kind of right on the Facebook page. So, Mm -hmm. um, if people want to follow follow along with the story and I share about classes and that kind of thing um, on Facebook and Instagram under Bluebird Hill Homestead. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, yeah, thank you. And if, if there's any other, you know, resources you recommend for people to start either looking into homesteading or homeschooling, um, what would those be? Ooh, yeah, that's a good question. Well, for homeschooling, there's so many, I mean, it's very, uh, it's a lot more common than it used to be. So there's, there's probably thousands of homeschool families in the Twin Cities metro area. Mm. So there's a, and there's a wide range of people, uh, um, uh, like a wide range of philosophies and approaches. Mm-hmm. And so don't be afraid to like reach out to different, there's email lists, there's uh, Facebook groups, um, 
there's Yahoo groups, things like that. You can just go search for that. And don't be afraid to like reach out to another group. If one group doesn't feel like it resonates with the philosophy that you're coming from, Um, you you know, your community is out there and sometimes it's just a matter of digging a little bit deeper or asking the right questions. Yeah. Yeah. Or or starting your own, just like you did. Or starting your own. Yes. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of people out there that want more connection with homeschoolers. So, yeah. Um, and then with homesteading, gosh, <laughs> that's a good question, too, because that, that is really um, a lot of what you deal with is on a local level yeah. at, you know, with the local zoning and codes. And mm-hmm. so, I, you know, I've spent hours and hours and hours of my time literally in the zoning office talking with them and you know generally you want to make friends with them really because Mm -hmm. they are on your side you know I go in and they see me they see me they know my name they you know they welcome (laughs) me and they know that I'm a challenge and so they they set aside an hour or two and I ask them questions like okay this is what I want to do can you tell me how I can do it legally what Mm -hmm. do I need to do and mm-hmm. so they, they take out this giant, like, four-inch binder of all the codes, and they start flipping through it, looking for, looking for ways that I can, um, I can do what I want to do but have it fit under the current code. And, and they're also in the process of changing the code. Mm-hmm. So you want to be a part of that kind of thing. You know, you want to yeah. show up at the meetings. You want to make yourself known in a friendly way um, with, yeah, with the building inspector, with the zoning office that kind of thing. And I mean, I'm happy, you know, if, if people want to reach out to me with questions, I'm, I'm happy to answer that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so many different approaches. Uh, this is a, kind of a longer answer to your question, but That's all right. there are so many different approaches to homesteading, right? Mm-hmm. Where like, if, if I lived in a different area, our original vision could happen where we could build like a hobbit hole into the hill yeah. with materials right from the land yeah. and live in a small house and live completely off the grid, catch water off the roof, have some really like low tech off grid systems. Right. Mm-hmm. And that is legal in some areas. If you live further and further away from the big cities or, you know, like there's the earth ships down in New Mexico. There's mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of people doing good work to have some of those low tech, low-cost off-grid systems be legal. And it just doesn't happen to be legal here where I live. Mm -hmm. And so I've had to go a different route that is more expensive, higher tech to make it work. And um, I've tried to kind of navigate around all of those things for a long time. And um, I'm just ready to have running water. <laughs> so, and, and I don't think I'm a failure because of that. You know what I mean? I, think I don't think so I've, either. I've, I've, I've hauled enough water. I'm cool. I'm good. <laughs> yes. You've earned it. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think it's okay because then I can redirect my energy to other things, exactly. which is sharing my place with as many people as possible and sharing my experience or inspiring people, you know, hosting different classes. Yeah. That's where I want my energy to go. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah you need to be well hydrated for that yes yes you do. yes <laughs> <laughs> well I think that that's like that comes full circle to you know us talking about creativity too and just the the, the constraints of you know growing where you're planted you know wherever right. that might be 
and right. the creativity that comes out of that and the resilience that comes out of that. And, yes, exactly. and I think too, something that stuck with me last time we visited, um, when you were talking about your story with our group was, you know, this, this idea of, of just, you know, absolute minimalism in terms of, you know, the, the necessities. And then from there building back up to a level that works to your needs, your family's needs and, and comforts rather than yes. like everything. And then trying to, you know, take away things, you know, it's right. like flipping that approach upside down. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I think there's, there's a balance to it that changes over time. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, the, well, just the fact that I'm, I'm taking on this other debt to have utilities. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it quite literally is doubling the, the cost of my house mm-hmm. to add the modern conveniences of utilities. Yeah. So like that's, and, and, you know, typically when people like buy a house that already has all those utilities, that's, that's what half of your mortgage is going to. That's what yeah. half of, you know, half of your working life. Yep is going to pay for those modern conveniences and mm-hmm. you know they're it, it, it's valuable in in a certain way but it, it's also i think really important to be connected to what that means yeah. what what does that mean to have all the modern conveniences you know the air conditioning and the you know and the everything just the mm-hmm. everything that comes with it um because there's a cost there's a cost beyond just the financial cost you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's a balance of, you know, because here's, here's the deal. I know that I'm going to stop hauling water here in a few months. I'm going to have hot water on tap. And you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to lose that connection to the value of every drop. Because mm-hmm. right, right now I load up my car with these six-gallon jugs. I drive it a mile and a half down the road. I, I fill it up at the spigot at my parents from my parents' well, mm-hmm. and then I have to drive them back and I carry them up the stairs into the house and I put them in our big jug, right? Mm-hmm. So I have I have a deep connection <laughs> to how much it cost me to carry it, right? Yeah. But when when water's on tap and you're just sort of like indirectly paying your water bill month to month, and it, it's it's an indirect enough of a cost that you don't value the water coming out. Like I know as soon as we have water on tap, I'm going to let the water run while I'm brushing my teeth sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. because I just, you don't value it the same way. There's a, that's the cost is the loss of connection. I don't Um, think you will. Yeah. You don't think so? (laughs) I don't know, man. (laughs) Like I said, I think you earned it. So don't I be did. too hard on yourself. Yeah, I, I know, I know. It's, I think it's just something to consider as you're making those choices. If, yes. you're, if you find yourself in a position to be building up your own life in that way, yeah, um, that's that's the way to approach those questions. You know, yeah. what what's the value of this, and what's the cost of it, and and where do I want to position myself on this bridge here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for your time Heidi really appreciate this conversation and yeah I wish you the best of luck with moving forward on the running water and all your other projects (laughs) and thank you looking forward to staying in touch and connecting again soon yeah definitely thank you very much Cody really lovely to talk with you today if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more like it you can do three simple things right now one you can subscribe permaculture freedom podcast if you haven't yet 
Number two, you can leave a short review for us on iTunes. And third, share this episode with a person in your life you think would enjoy it too. Thank you. I really appreciate your support. Until next time, take care, my friend. Thank you.